Welcome to Savage. I'm your host, Kelsey Kenry, CEO, wife, and mom of three. This is where you find the aligned strategy and mindset shifts to unleash your power, unlock your freedom, and step into your full potential as a CEO. Every episode is full of tough love and hard truths with a side of tactical guidance to expand your success. You ready? Let's do the damn thing. It's okay if I'm okay. That doesn't make what happened to me okay. Mm. So I don't have to stay broken forever in order to drive home the point that what happened was really messed up. Welcome to the Bravehearted Podcast, where we are changing the way you get inspiration by allowing you to hear resilience and victory in hard stories. We discuss new methods on handling life situations so you can show up confidently in your life. We are different because instead of just giving you inspiration through stories, we give you actionable tools to make the change that you want to make. Let's live bravely today. Welcome to episode 33 of the Bravehearted Podcast. My name is Mindy Mercurio, career coach and business guru, helping exhausted women let go of fear to find passion in their work. Of course, as always, the hostess with the mostest is with me. What's up, guys? My name is Kelsey Kenner. I'm a personal development speaker and coach working with women all over the world to find their confidence and break through the obstacles that hold them back. And I'm excited about our interview today. We had a little switch up in our schedule here, but we have a personal friend coming to us today or to your earphones or your car speakers or wherever you are. So as you guys know, on the podcast, we are forever talking about therapy and the importance of therapy and what it can do for your life. So we've actually partnered with BetterHelp, betterhelp.com. It's an online counseling website. So you can go on and get a therapist and they will match you with somebody and you can do therapy right from the comfort of your own home, your car, wherever. So you can get 10% off actually your first month with BetterHelp. You just go to betterhelp.com forward slash bravehearted. All right. So today we have with us Amanda Katarzy and she is an author and she has been helping us with our podcast. And she also is a survivor of sex trafficking. And we are going to hear all about her story today, how she's overcome the hard things that she's been through along with what she's doing now with the passion that she's gained from this. So Amanda, thanks for being here with us today, especially on short notice. Thank you so much for having me. So my first question for you is just kind of tell us more about where you are now. And I know that one of the things that you're really passionate about is giving people a voice that may feel like they don't have one or don't have one. So tell us more about that and what you're doing. Sure. So I do a lot of advocacy work in bringing light uh, to things, uh, victim stories, their messages, uh, promoting their businesses if they are running businesses and trying to just give survivors 
and past victims of voice now as empowered women. So that's one of my huge passions that also overflows into the work I do. So I help with grant writing and grant proposals for a lot of nonprofits that are battling this specific issue of sex trafficking or symptomatic issues or issues that surround that. So I work closely with our local government and with our congressmen to help write legislation and pass bills that support our victims of crimes and um, who are in the middle of these hard situations that aren't receiving the funding or the services or the support they need. So um, right now I'm in the middle of writing grants for an adoption agency actually here in my city. So helping them kind of brainstorm on different ways to raise funding and do fundraising and um, grants we can apply for to, to help them keep doing what they're doing. Well, you know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really excited to help them out. So basically, if there's any way for me to give people a voice, whether that's, you know, a survivor or someone who's affected by social issues, then I am all for it. Mm, that's incredible. It's so is there something that kind of sparked like what sparked your passion to do this? So growing up, I had a fantastic childhood. My parents are incredible, but we were involved in a cult that really silenced women's voices. So women were basically raised to be homemakers. I can make bread from scratch. I can sew all my clothes from scratch. And I was supposed to be a baby maker too, for whoever they matched me to. Fast forward, that really groomed me to the easy pickings for an abuser later on in my life. So in my 20s and in America, in California, I was dating a man who ended up being really abusive towards me, not having any real background or any real idea of what an adult relationship should look like really left me vulnerable to his whims. And then that really escalated into trafficking. So he ended up holding me hostage on a Native American reservation in Northern California and sex and labor trafficking me uh, for a couple months. So, well, six months. So that really was obviously a horrible situation and a really difficult time. But I, looking back now, my past really serves me and makes me really good at helping other women escape situations like that. Um, prevent situations like that, and again, write ar- around legislation and books and articles around those issues, and really supporting and giving a voice back to victims and survivors. Hmm. Yeah, it's that's I know. Obviously, knowing a lot of your story and us talking personally, that that's you know you are a definite survivor because I know that there's even more to your story than that. And anytime that we go through something that's difficult to where it is like those dark places, and then we choose to use that darkness and turn it into light, I think is, it's so powerful because it drives us to such exceptional growth within ourselves if we choose to let it be that for us. And it sounds like that that's what you've done and what you're letting it do for you. And it definitely took a lot of years to do that, 
to get mm-hmm. to from being a victim to then transitioning to being a survivor. So recognizing that that actually happened to me, acknowledging it, looking it straight in the face and calling it for what it is. So sex trafficking is defined as any sex act in exchange for something of value. And for adults, you have to have fraud force or coercion involved. For children, you don't have to prove fraud force or coercion because they cannot consent. So any sex act in exchange for something of value is anything for a child in exchange for food or or whatever. So looking that straight in the eye and be like, yes, that was the situation. That's what happened. And then transitioning from being a victim to, okay, I'm a survivor now. I went through that. I experienced that. I've owned that. And now it's time to become a leader and an advocate and you know, really committing myself to transitioning from one to the other and letting go kind of <laughs> what your last podcast was about, letting go of that victim mentality and owning that leadership advocacy position was really interesting. And I don't hear a lot of people talk about how tough it is to make that transition um, and letting go of those old identities. But you guys do talk a lot about, you know, entering into therapy and owning your story and stuff like that. So therapy was a huge part of that, obviously, as well. Yeah, it's just you have to have some sort of guidance because recognizing that you're in a place to where it's like, this is what I've been taught and this is where it got me. So I'm obviously there's some things that are missing here. And uh, I was thinking, like, as you were talking, I couldn't help, like, I was getting a little teary eyed just at the thought of like children and sex trafficking. And I feel like that that's such a sensitive subject, especially like now, obviously there's so many things being brought to light, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's, this is something that does exist. And like being that I have two children, like I can't, I can't, like I, either the thought is like makes, it's killing me to even think about that. So Mm -hmm. I can't imagine like how you felt even as an adult, you know, in like, in how could you not fight after going through something like that? So what do you think, you know, is there something that drew you to, I know that obviously you're very big in just advocating in general, but is there something that drew you more to children? Well, yeah, the the root cause, I I worked for an anti-sex trafficking organization after I got all healed up and I've done that for the past five years and I'm no longer in that. But while working there, we found that the root of sex trafficking is usually childhood trauma, sexual trauma. So once I got that information and started working with adults, I'm like, man, it would be awesome if we could just really attack this at the root and start preventing and start teaching our children how to communicate when they've been violated or when they feel uncomfortable around so-and-so and and they don't want to hug that family member. Like your child's trying to communicate something to you and they don't have all the tools to understand what that is or why they feel that way. They just know they feel this way and it's not them being disrespectful. It's not them being shy. It's not them throwing a tantrum. It's them trying to communicate something's not right. I, I feel uncomfortable. I feel violated. And if we could teach first responders, parents, teachers, that kind of information, 
we could stop child sexual abuse from happening and prevent sex trafficking from even from even them escalating to that point. I know it's I think the numbers have changed again recently, but it's one in five girls and one in eight boys in America are sexually abused. And it's usually between the ages of five to eight. But I I mean, I've dealt with cases where they're newborns and they're a couple hours old to where they've been sexually assaulted in the delivery room. So this is something that's rampant and a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it can feel super heavy. And it can feel super overwhelming. And there is no quick fix. However, this, like you said, this is all being brought to light now in a way that it never has before. And with the recent changes in our social structures and the, the Black Lives Matter movement, taboo subjects are now being spoken about like they never mm-hmm. have before. The rules are all gone. So people can mm-hmm. hold conversations around these kind of things and not be shut down immediately or hushed immediately. So that's the good news. And the good news is there are so many fantastic organizations, so many fantastic people in government, so many fantastic people working night and day against this thing. So I know today, I just saw a report this morning that 23 children who have been abducted from three months, I think to eight years old, have been recovered in Mexico this morning. So there's stuff like that happening every day. It just doesn't hit mainstream news as much because I feel like it's an it's an overwhelming issue to a lot of people. Mm. But it's not. The tides are definitely changing. So yeah. We're being forced to look at things that we don't want to look at. And that's mm-hmm. like the most amazing thing about like the hardness and the rawness of this year is like you you don't have a choice. Like this is in your face. And so do you want to do something about it or do you want to stay hidden? And I mean Like this is something it's like, whether you have children or not, you can't not be affected by this because our children become adults. And like, this is, it's, it's important. Um, And yeah, I, I just, man. And something to really take notice of too, is that unaddressed trauma, like you said, when it manifests, it either manifests as an abuser or as another victim. Mm-hmm. And if it's unaddressed, you're going to create one of those two. So even my pimp, he disclosed to me that he was raped as a young boy and he was sexually abused by older women in his tribe on a regular basis. So it makes total sense, not rationalizing his behavior or allowing it, but it makes total sense why he became an abuser. He's trying mm-hmm. to take back that power and back, back that control that he didn't mm. feel like he ever had. And mm-hmm. so then that manifests in abusing. Mm-hmm. And that's the role he took mm. instead of staying a victim. So that's what happens when trauma is unaddressed. You either become an abuser or a victim. And that's why, why you know, to your point, that's why it's so insanely important that mental health issues are normalized that going to therapy is normalized, that men with mental health issues, that area is normalized because yes. women, we've been engaged in it and we're all about you know self-improvement. <laughs> and just more recently, has it been okay for men to display emotions and to say, I'm not okay and I need to go to a therapist? So, mm. Yeah, God, that is such a good point. Like men right now, voicing that they had been afraid previously to talk about their mental health and being able to speak up and talk about that is so important. 
But you said something really powerful and I want to kind of go back to it. So you said, you know, it's, it's about taking your power back, right? And being in control of your story. So talk to me about how you took your power back. So I escaped my pimp by getting into a near fatal car accident, which it was knocked some sense into me, I guess, and also a traumatic brain injury. But at that point, for whatever reason, it was like coming out of water. Like the veil was lifted in an instant. And I was like, I couldn't, didn't go, oh my God, I'm being trafficked. But I did go, holy cow, like, what am I doing? Like this, this isn't who I am. This isn't who I want to be. I'm so much awesomer than this. And then I bought a plane ticket that week (laughs) and left my entire life in California and flew back home to Florida. And um, I wasn't really sure what was wrong with me. I wasn't really aware of a lot of the trauma I had endured, but I knew I was messed up. I knew that. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to start reading everything I can about mental health, about trauma, about dysfunctional relationships, abusive relationships, and see what I can do to heal myself. So I started on that journey, which was really messy super messy, right? Because I'm, I'm like raging. I've got PTSD. I've got a brain injury and all these emotions and trauma. And my parents were awesome in really putting up with me <laughs> during that time. But then I started going to a, a trauma therapist, a fantastic trauma therapist. And I still go to him every single month for like a checkup just to make sure I'm in the clear. But it took a while and it took weekly three-hour-long sessions, two-hour-long sessions to really hash through stuff that was embedded in me in my childhood and was you know, layered in my dysfunctional, abusive relationships. Mm. And you know, there's been stuff that's come up too. Like I'm, I'm recently married. I recently experienced a couple of miscarriages. Like life still happens and it still triggers things in us. So it's important to keep staying engaged in therapy, in the present, acknowledging, growing, learning, and recognizing you don't really outgrow anything. You just get stronger and smarter and better at dealing with it all. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You you get the tools. And we talked about that in the podcast last week is, you know, it's always with you. It's always going to be a piece of you, but you gather the tools to help you deal with that. So that the next time something comes around, you're better equipped. And it's, you know, it's a constant in your life, but you don't have to be a victim to it because you have those tools to help you get through it. It's just like another mental gym session. It's like, okay, this is another opportunity for me to grow. This is another opportunity for me to get more experience and get a deeper understanding of psychology or trauma and, and how that manifests and how I can, how I can ground myself better. It's a touch point. (laughs) That's yeah, it's a touch point. And like, it's, it's like you said, we're going to, life's going to continue to happen. So stuff's going to continue to show up. And that's the importance of actually being able to, like you said, face it, just, just finally get to the point where you're willing to look at it because that's the only way that you're actually going to get some sort of relief. And that's what people don't realize is that when we continue to put things away and we pack them away and we put them away and whatever, and don't look at them, like they still exist. And so we don't get any relief because they're still underlying. And so to be able to face 
all of that and to be able to recognize, you know, like I'm not okay. Like I need to start and I need to keep going. And like, it's very, I agree so much with what you said about like the commitment to consistent growth. Like it doesn't end, like it doesn't ever end. Like (laughs) just all of us joking about like what a shit day we had yesterday. It's like, we, as the three of us together, we have a shit ton of tools. There's lots of therapy. There's like, we could probably like build a whole like world, right? Like (laughs) we have the skills, but like we still are human. And so we have those days and those touch points to where it's like, okay, this is an opportunity to exercise what Mm -hmm. I know. And like, let me just have this bad day. Let me, you know, use my skills to pick myself back up again. And that's powerful. One of the things that you said previously going back to kind of talking about children and the the importance there. I know that, you know, cause we talk so much about like practical things about like, you know, what can people do? And obviously with this being brought to light, I think that one of the things you said that was really important is just number one, there's the piece of the parent, right? Like as parents, like if we don't get the mental health help that we need, we can't be good parents. Mother, father, both of you, you have to. Like, even if you feel like your childhood was like, okay, we're so good at normalizing any sort of trauma, everybody should go to therapy and it will make you a better parent. And if they do that, then we can raise better children. So it's like, there's, it's twofold. And I think that's why it feels too big to people because it's like, oh, I have to fix myself. And then we have to fix the children or make sure that we're doing these things as a parent. And it's a lot of pressure, but in reality, it's like, yes, it's hard work. It's hard work to fix anything, but it's work that's worth it. And if we see that so many root issues are coming from that childhood trauma and we have the ability to do something about that, like, why don't we start doing something about it? And I think it feels too big to people. It feels like, Mm -hmm. and even as me, it's like, okay, great. Something else I have to do as a mom, you know what I mean? (laughs) To where it's like, but in reality, I know realistically it is in the little moments, like you said, to where it's, when grandparents want a hug or a kiss and my kids don't want to give it, they don't have to give it. I'm not going to make them do that. It's their body. Mm -hmm. Those are the little moments that matter. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Well, cause you're embedding something and it might seem like a small or minuscule issue, but they're a small, tiny human. So that small thing that's small to you is not small to them. It's much, much bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and recognizing it's so much more than about them, um, hugging someone or not. It's about consent. It's about them learning to trust their emotions. It's about them learning self care and learning how to manage their emotions and their feelings. And well, why do they feel this way? What do they think about that? There's reasons all behind that. And it might have nothing to do with that person. Maybe they're just hungry and grumpy and don't want to be touched right now. You yeah. know, it could be that small. Or it could be something much, much bigger as well. So 100%, um, you know, you talk about tools. So I would say start giving your children the dialogue to and the permission to say, mommy, I feel uncomfortable or even create it. My mom and I, I mean, she was fantastic and she was aware enough to be like, hey, let's create a code word if you ever feel uncomfortable in 
want to leave your friend's house, but don't want to be on the phone being like, mom, I want to leave. So we yeah. always say, mom would say, what do you want for dinner? And if I say, I want tacos, she would go, oh, okay, I'm going to come get you because it's time to come home for tacos. And I'd be like, oh man, okay, bummer. And then she'd come get me out of that situation. So even equipping your child with things like that as mm-hmm. young as possible and teaching nobody should touch where my bathing suit covers. No one should ask to see that area. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked for an organization where we went into kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade and taught consent, taught permission with coloring books, with fun stories, with really engaging activities because children don't have, they're not taught that. And like, who wants to go teach their kid about sex trafficking? Nobody, but Mm -hmm. we can teach them how to communicate. We can teach them to trust themselves. We can teach them to trust you and trust that you're going to take them out of a situation they feel uncomfortable in, even if they can't define why. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. It really does root back to communication. And that's like, there's a lot of good knowledge, I think, coming out about, you know, parent with with parenting in general, and just like giving your kids a voice and like, because we're kind of like exiting the generation of like, don't cry, don't talk about your emotions. Don't do anything to make anybody upset and entering into like, oh, this is stuff we have to actually talk about which again means, okay, that means you have to lead by example. So if you are a parent who isn't talking about your feelings, doesn't know how to appropriately express emotion, you have to fix your shit (laughs) so you can teach your children. And it it is so much rooted in communication and like giving them, giving them the words and being willing to sit down and be understanding. And it's hard to do in moments to where you're frustrated. And I get it because I have plenty of moments to where I don't facilitate the conversation in a way that I would like to, but then I have plenty of moments to where I do. And it's like, you don't have to be the perfect parent, but you do have to work on yourself and you do have to try. Well, I think accepting the fact that you are going to come up in your child's therapy session. Like no matter how good you are, Damn it, don't tell say, me that. Because <laughs> you're human and that doesn't make you a bad parent. Yeah. It, it proves the point mm-hmm. that you were you played a huge role in their life, were extremely influential, and you're a human. Mm-hmm. That's all that that says about you. It doesn't say anything about you're a good or bad parent. It says, oh no, you were a huge, you played a huge role in their life. That's all that says about you. Mm-hmm. And understand like that's just the way it is and it's okay. And that's a normal part of us learning how to interact with children. And then a major moment for me as a victim and as a survivor was recognizing that I, it's okay if I'm okay. That doesn't make what happened to me okay. Mm. So I don't have to stay broken forever in order to drive home the point that what happened was really messed up. Mm. I'm allowed to be okay. That was huge for me as a victim moving forward in my health. I felt like I had to always have residual effects of my trauma, and that's not necessarily true. Mm. That's such a good point. Um, I I know a lot of people who go through traumas, right? And they feel like every time they talk about it, it has to be this like, I'm still hurting, I'm still broken. Like, and I don't, if, if I'm fixed, quote, if I have gone through this and I'm accepting it, 
I don't have a right to talk about it anymore. And that's absolutely not true. I think it's almost the opposite. It's like you have to talk about it because you have to be there to show hope for other people to say, you know what, I went through this and you can come out of the other side too. And I think that's just such a beautiful message of, you know, you don't have to be not okay to talk about what happened to you. And it, like we talked about earlier, like owning your story and you guys talk about this all the time is my story, my past 1000% serves me. I'm not a victim to it. It doesn't define me. I don't talk about it with everybody we meet. Hi, I'm Amanda. I'm a survivor, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't do that every single time. I'm a whole being. I can be a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, a great wife, and hopefully one day a mother. And I don't have to keep bringing that up, but it does make me a stronger person. It makes me a fantastic advocate because I can go to women who are stuck in toxic relationships, abusive relationships and situations and say, I've been where you've sat check me out. I've got a house. I got the picket white fence. I got a great man who loves me. You can have this too. This is possible for you too. Mm. So that's a lot of what keeps me going in the advocacy realm is, is there is a happy ending. Mm. Yeah. And that, and I like that you, I like that you kind of brought it full circle here because you talked about, you know, the the traumas that you went through you talked about you know getting yourself through the trauma by you know starting where you could and then continuing on and then obviously committing to the consistent growth and that turning into you know what a beautiful life you have now so tell us more about you know your your business and how all of this shows up in your business now yeah so a huge part of my health came through me finding my voice, right? Throughout this whole process, I was really redefining myself, finding my voice to stand up for myself, finding a voice to tell how I stood up for myself. And now I'm in this place where I'm helping pe- other people find their voice and, and really define their story and define their message. So like we mentioned before, I do a ton of copywriting. I do a, a lot of grant writing, a lot of legislation writing. Like that's just my heart is to help people tell their story and and speak their truth and speak their message because not everybody has writing skills and not everybody knows how to pull that voice out of them. So when I meet with my clients, it, it can look like me creating a social media campaign for them, or it can look like me writing, helping them write their autobiography or writing grants. So what, however, that voice needs to come out is my role with my clients is I pull that voice out and then we get it down in ink <laughs> and publish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's so cool because it's, it, it really does. Like you said, I think that it's powerful because you're kind of like the missing link for a lot of people. Because when we tend to, I will even have clients cause I prescribe yeah. journaling all the time. Right. And then it's like, it, we have that thing in the back of our head. that's like, well, if I write something, it's not good enough because I'm not good enough kind of thing. So then they just don't. And it's great to know that you found kind of that point to where you can build that connection for people to where it's like, this is what I want to say, but I'm scared because I don't know how to say it. And so that can bring like real healing for people, I think. Yeah, it ends up being almost like a therapy session. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, 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 nope, I'm not a therapist. I've got a great one for you to see, though. And when you get done with your session, come talk to me and then we'll write again. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's powerful to, for mm-hmm. people to be able to open up to you. And I think that that's because your, your own vulnerability and your own willingness to, to share your story. And that's probably why people connect with you more. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what makes you a better writer is because you can write from where people are because you can feel where people are. Mm-hmm. Definitely a huge empath. <laughs> Yeah, which can be dangerous. <laughs> well, that's why there's therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, balance it out, right? Yes, ma'am. Um, awesome. So I uh, I would love for just to kind of, you know, you've shared a lot about your story. We know like the purpose of what you do, what's behind what you do, and it's wonderful. So I know that we, you know, we've touched on the, the trafficking piece as well, and I would love for you to give, you know, just some action steps for our audiences. Like we've talked about in your own home, basically making it a priority to facilitate communication and conversations to give your child a voice. And then as parents getting the help that you need on the side of sex trafficking, what can people who are not involved, but want to help where, where's a good place for them to start? Save a freedom is a fantastic national organization that I've worked with and they do a lot nationally as far as battling sex trafficking specifically for adults. There Mm -hmm. are a number of organizations you can work with. You can look up Google, but basically just awareness. It took me, it still amazes me how many people think this is not happening in America. They think it's a foreign issue. They think it's happening across far, far away when really it's probably happening next door um, Mm. or to your child's friend at school. So I think awareness is huge and looking up anti-sex trafficking organizations in your local area and seeing if you can volunteer, seeing if you can donate your old clothes there. Um, I know for the organization I worked for, we were always looking for volunteers to come in and offer our women trainings on basic life skills because they didn't have those tools. So they didn't know how to clean. They didn't know how to sew. They didn't know how to cook or change the oil in their car. So go ahead and look up local anti-sex trafficking organizations. They kind of fly under the radar a little bit, but if you look for them, you'll find them. So so Mm. just look them up and you volunteer any way you can there. Again, spreading awareness and educating yourself on what the signs of trafficking are. Um, because once you know those, it becomes pretty blatantly obvious when you do see it. Mm. And like some of those things are if there's a woman who's not really sure about her whereabouts or about the city that she's in because they're moved pretty consistently and often don't know what city they're in. Um, if they don't have possession of their li- driver's license or any of their IDs or anything like that, if they don't have possession of any of their money, Usually you'll see a lot of women that look homeless and their nails are done really nice for whatever reason. Um, (laughs) Their traffickers usually get their nails done for them as an incentive. And that's something that I always look for on the streets is women who look homeless, but then their nails are always done or they've got that Gucci purse and it looks really out of place. And it is out of place because there's Mm. this form of gifting and bribery and grooming that happens as part of the manipulation 
and the mind control that happens in that kind of toxic relationship and environment. Mm. Um, and a lot of these women will use the local ER as their doctor. So that's pretty common as well. So the ER is a, it's a pretty big hot spot and usually the first line of defense, but you'll know, you'll know, you'll see them walking on the street and you'll see them, you know, in, in those kind of places. And we all know those massage parlors that are really sketchy looking that we know something isn't right there. And the windows are all blacked out and they're open at nine o'clock at night. No real legitimate massage place is open at nine o'clock at night, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So that's a great sign of sex trafficking happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of that's combined with labor trafficking as well. So just, sorry, I just went on a tangent, but just um, educating yourself on the signs. And if you look up signs of sex trafficking on Google, you will find them. Um, There's a lot of great organizations that do a great job of advocating that kind of information. And Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it is so much about awareness. Like you said, though, just know, like, and that's, that's where we're at. That's what this year is, is it's like peeling Mm -hmm. everything back and, and you, you do have to look at it and you do have to recognize all this stuff is happening. It's been happening. Like we're all kind of assholes for not taking steps sooner, but let's take them now. Don't let it stop you. And I like that you brought up the idea of, you know, just do whatever you can because it's like some people don't have the money or they don't have the time or they don't have, but there's always something that we can do Mm -hmm. and that's, and it's important and every, every piece matters. So Mm -hmm. I really want to thank you for your time. And the the last question I have for you is, um, where can people find you? Where can people get you to write for them? All that kind of stuff. Sure. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. And my Instagram is Amanda, cat, C-A-T, all together. And uh, that's the main place. Just shoot me a DM on there. It's not set up like a business, but (laughs) I'm pretty informal. So just find me on Instagram at Amanda Cat. Okay, cool. Yeah. And we'll put all that in in the bio as well. Mindy, you have any last questions? No, but thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us today. I really like enjoyed learning more about you and hearing your story. And I think, you know, again, like Kelsey said, 2020 is the year of awareness and it's also the year of action. So, you know, walk away from this podcast knowing there's something that you can do today. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it's important to to have people. I'm thankful to have somebody like you in, in our lives that can bring light and can make us more aware and that can teach us from different positions. So I'm thankful for you and I'm thankful for you being here today. And um, so next week on episode 34, we have Emily Gosh and she is the CEO of Soul Media and she's a business coach and has a very interesting story. So she's going to share about her story and her growth as an entrepreneur as well as some other things. So I'm excited to talk to her. She actually has her own podcast, which she invited me to be a guest on as well. I believe it's called The Soul Collective. So we talked about shame. And so I invited her to be on ours. So a little trade. And I'm excited to talk to her because she does some really great events and is all about connecting women together and just building power through, through their soul. So... That's all I got for today. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Amanda, thanks again for joining us. And don't forget to live brave.
If you are a CEO or entrepreneur, I want to invite you into a space that's unlike anything out there. CEO Power Hour is a free monthly live experience that you can join in person or virtually to get your questions answered to fulfill the desires for your business. Inside this room, you bring your biggest goal, the obstacles you are experiencing, or anything you want my expertise, eyes, and ears on. This guidance, along with the ideas and inspiration from other powerful women, allows you to be fully immersed in the energy of being supported and learn in a completely new way so that you can expand your business and your life to the next level. I created CEO Power Hour to bring together powerful business owners for connection, collaboration, and coaching. This is your invitation, and it's free. The link is in the show notes, so I hope to see you at our next monthly meeting.